Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. What's a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. In his book, The Great Mental Models, Shane Parrish says that in life and business, the person with the fewest blind spots wins. I appreciate that quote so much, and I believe it relates to what we do here at Better Leaders, Better Schools as well. In education and leadership, the person with the fewest blind spots wins. So how do we eliminate or lessen the blind spots we have acquired? The easiest way is to join the mastermind for sure. Having a group of leaders that are willing to tell you the truth and push you to success is worth its weight in gold. Have you ever walked around your campus with food in your teeth all day and wondered, why didn't anyone tell me? That doesn't happen in the mastermind. Whether it's food in your teeth or your blind spots, you can bet anything you want that someone in the mastermind will tell you what's going on and help you level up. But the mastermind isn't for everyone. So how else can you deal with blind spots? By investing in learning and drinking deeply from meaningful texts in different industries is yet another way. Alexander Pope states in his poem, An Essay on Criticism, A little learning is a dangerous thing. Drink deep or taste, not the pure in spring. Their shallow drawing hits intoxicate the brain, and drinking largely sobers us again. That's exactly why we don't read any books from the education industry in the mastermind. We're doing okay there. That's our area of expertise. But what can we learn from other industries? In that question, today's guest is an absolute professional on. My conversation with Maria Pakalomatom starts with how she learns from other industries and steals the best ideas to apply to her school. You'll want to listen for the practical examples Maria shares first in our discussion. And if you're interested in the mastermind, we welcome your application at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. So ruckus maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, I'd like to take some time to thank our show sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, a program designed to develop your students' executive function and non-cognitive skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. If you're waiting for your district to develop you, don't hold your breath. What would you be able to accomplish if you poured jet fuel on your leadership development? Rob, a principal in North Carolina, had this to say about his mastermind experience. I have found myself trying more things because I know that I have the support from other amazing school leaders to help guide me through if I get stuck. Turn your dreams into reality and level up your leadership. Apply to the mastermind today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. Well, we're here again with Dr. Kelly Crane, expert coach over at BLBS, and she has another great tip of the week for you. Hey, this tip is so important, and I hope people follow it. It's very simple. Go to bed early. 
<laughs> you know, we were in church this past week. And one of the things that I don't really think people understand is that if you stay up late, you're really getting your, your body system off track. So the light comes in, it goes to the pineal gland and it turns on your uh, serotonin and, Hey, I'm supposed to wake up. Here we go. Let's get the day. Let's start moving. So that light does that for you. Mm-hmm. At night, your melatonin starts to kick in when the lights go down. And that's what starts to make you tired and sleepy and you should go to bed. But what do we do as leaders? At about 10 o'clock, we put on the TV or the phone or the music, lights everywhere because we get our second wind. Mm-hmm. Here comes the serotonin and we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. When are we supposed to sleep? You're supposed to get eight to 10 hours a night. So you need to go to bed early. Make yourself do it. You will be more productive during the day and you will get more things done. At six o'clock, you should shut it off. Family time, go to bed at 10. You'll Mm. be amazed. So good. And you know, the worst thing to do is to check your phone right before bed, look at the email and, and see all the problems that you need to solve. And now you're thinking about that when you should be unplugging and drifting off to sleep. I was taking this course on finding mastery in elite performance. And one thing that was surprising to me was how important rest is. And we know that. I mean, I get hangry, right? And so when I'm hungry or tired, like I am not fun to be around, but we don't prioritize that as leaders. I don't know why. And and you are fooling yourself if you think you can skip on sleep and then show up the next day and be sharp, be alert and be at your best. It's just not possible. So prioritize your sleep for sure. Any other comments on rest? I just think it is so important and I want everybody just to try it because you'll be amazed at how productive you are the very next day. Give yourself a bedtime for sure. (laughs) Maria Pakalomatum is a board member at Birla Public School, a private school with over 7,500 students in Cuthbert. She has led various initiatives at the school covering the strategic, academic, operational, and financial aspects. Maria has investments and ventures across sectors as an entrepreneur, but education is her favorite. Maria studied at Columbia University, where she focused on finance and entrepreneurship. Maria, welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny, and thanks for having me today. It's really an honor to be here. It's absolutely my honor. And I think you're the first person from the learning community that uh, I've interviewed. And that's something, you know, uh, I'll share quite a bit in the weekend resource or different emails, things from the Farnham Street blog. And Maria and I are members there. Uh, I don't know. I think I saw something about education on your profile and I reached out and here we are recording the show. Yep. I mean, I love Farnham Street. I think it's one of my favorite communities on the internet. Definitely. And so let's start with this idea of learning from other industries. I find that fascinating about your approach. And I think one of the things that my uh, leaders and the mastermind really appreciate is that we read absolutely zero books from education. And we love to learn from other industries and bring that into uh, our sector. And it seems like you have a similar approach. So how do you learn from other industries and maybe your family business to enhance what you do at Birla Public School? 
Yeah, that's a really great question, Danny. And I really love that, you know, in your mastermind, you you read books from other industries. I think uh, sometimes in the education industry, we can get uh, very siloed and, and stuck in uh, in what we do in our industry and really helps to have an outside perspective uh, from other industries. So let me give you an example, and I think that'll help. Uh, you know, one of my family's investments is uh, an automobile uh, spare parts distribution company. Uh, you know, we're the largest automobile spare parts distribution company in Qatar. We distribute brands all the way from Toyota to a Mercedes-Benz. And one of the things I learned from that industry, and specifically from companies such as Toyota, is continuous process improvement. And when I learned about how they use that for the development and manufacturing of their spare parts and how they improve their employees over time to create innovations, I thought, how can I, how can I apply this, this concept uh, to improving teaching and learning at the school? And, uh, you know, we applied this in a number of ways at our school. We're constantly iterating what we do. I think we're one of the few schools in Qatar, um, probably the only school in Qatar, to have a department uh, called the Capacity Building and Quality Enhancement Department, which is just for professional development and training. Uh, and we have a vice principal who leads just that department. And that's, that's how invested we are in training and education. And so, uh, you know, the other thing that I, I feel that I've learned is that from being in a variety of industries, you expose yourself to a variety of risk profiles. And from that, you learn how to mitigate risks. So uh, the way we think about that at the school is how can we prevent long-term bad student outcomes? How can we prevent discipline issues before they happen? Uh, how can we ensure that the learning environment is, is positive before it turns so one of my favorite techniques uh, for this type of reflection uh, is the OODA loop, which is a technique created by John Boyd, who was a military strategist in the United States Air Force. OODA expands to observe, orient, decide, and act. Uh, the steps are pretty self-explanatory, and you can apply it to a wide variety of situations. And so if this technique is applied to other industries and one observes practices, then it becomes easier to translate it to education. I love it. I've already learned so much and we're just a few minutes in the OODA loop and this idea of continuous process improvement that you have a whole department around capacity building is spectacular. I'm wondering when you brought this to the school, because I'm guessing that it wasn't there when it was founded. And like you said, it's constantly iterating and changing. Right. How did the staff react to this vision? Right. So I think it certainly was not there when we when we started. And I think, you know, we're very lucky that we have a very open and flexible board uh, in terms of trying new things and, and experimenting. So we started in a very small way where we experimented, not having the department initially, but trying to implement change through a process that would eventually look like the department. And so, uh, you know, we had a person leading it and we put that in place. And I think initially, you know, we certainly ruffled some feathers. And so then we said, okay, well, let's go into our usual, you know, change management practices and see how uh, we can implement this change. And then we had orientation sessions. We brought along stakeholders. We had buy-in from students, parents, and teachers, uh, which are, you know, really the three pillars that our school rests on. And then once we did that, there was acceptance. Uh, and then it was only once we had acceptance that the department was really rolled out. So maybe a small detail, but I'm curious, the leader of that department for building capacity, is that a former educator or is it somebody from outside the industry? Um, no, that person was actually a teacher. 
it was from within the organization. And I think that's really important to us as a school. We like to promote from within and we like for our people to grow even while they're within the organization. So yeah, um, it was a person who was working at our school even before we had the department. Was there a catalyst that made you favor from uh, promoting from within or is that just something that you decided this is the way we want to do it? Well, I think, you know, maybe we'll get into this later. At our school, you know, we've been around for 15 years and we've had people who've been with us from day one. And it's really important to us that they grow along with the school uh, and we want to encourage that and we want to create pathways for that and and multiple pathways, not just one way to grow in our organization. And so uh, that's why, uh, you know, we like to promote from within. Uh, The other reason we, we, and don't get me wrong, sometimes we do hire from, from outside the school. For example, our our most recent uh, principal who we hired um, just two years ago is is not from within. But for, uh, you know, other positions as much as possible, we like to hire from within because they're already a cultural fit uh, and and they know how things work in our organization. And and that helps. Uh, That helps bring change. Right. Yeah. Any lessons learned or or, or, uh, maybe pitfalls to avoid when you are trying to promote from within? Well, uh, organizational politics, I guess. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's an obvious one, isn't it? I, yeah. think, I, think, uh, I think there's not a single organization in the world that doesn't experience a bit of that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, so, you know, and especially when you get to a certain size, it's hard to get that direct feedback. And so we always try to have uh, systems in place to ensure that we're, we're really hearing uh, from the ground up what someone is like. And I think, you know, past success is a good indication of, of future success. Um, you know, people who had um, mm. uh, success within the organization already will tend to do better than those who have not. Um, and I think there are certain traits, you know, classic leadership traits, uh, collaborativeness, these sorts of things, uh, which which are really important. And we look for those things uh, as much as we can. Mm. And you, you mentioned a, a minute or so ago how you do have quite a few people that have been there for over 15 years. And I'm sure that the strong culture you've built is a part of that secret. Uh, But what else have you learned in terms of retaining top talent? And what might you say to the ruckus maker listening today if they wanted to keep their best people around as well? Well, I can't take any credit for that because we really have a great leadership team, um, such as our principal and vice principals, whom I think as a board, what I've been taught is that you know, we really need to empower them. And, and so if we focus on the cultural fit, we have good hiring processes and processes in place. We have a distributed leadership pattern. And, and you know, if we work hard and we, we have fun too as a team, right, that's really important. I think there are two main reasons that I would tell the ruckus makers out there uh, for low turnover in our case. The first thing is that, you know, our team is like family. Uh, and, and that sounds like a cliche, but it's so true when it comes to it. When we have a team member, let's say, who falls sick with serious illnesses, you know, such as cancer and so on, we're there for them, right? You know, at that point, we're not just a company, we're family, right? And we, we stick to those values uh, no matter what. The second thing is that we invest in our people's professional development and growth and advancement for all of, all members of our team across all levels. And I think what this creates is this creates a unique alignment between organizational goals and personal and individual goals. Uh, and with that alignment, it helps people make the decision to stay with us year after year. And that's really important because if, if you know, 
you're in my organization and you're not growing. Well, I'm not happy and you're not happy. And, and that's not what I want. Right. I can't encourage the ruckus maker listening enough to know your people, help them accomplish their dreams and goals. I think I've talked about it before on the podcast. I know I've definitely spoken to the mastermind about it, uh, but it's as easy as identifying your bucket list or your, your dream goals. And some of those will be quite big, like you know, climbing some summit of a mountain. But some of the things are actually smaller and attainable. And for example, there was a member of the mastermind who had it on her bucket list that she wanted to mentor a novice principal. Well, that is easy for me to help her accomplish because I know a lot of principals. And so that was just a quick email. Hey, we have an exceptional leader that wants to mentor somebody for free, made a little application, people submitted, and then we connected those two phenomenal leaders, bucket list item checked off. And so that's what I'm hearing you say in terms of really knowing your people and helping them accomplish their goals. Yeah, that's really awesome, Danny. I mean, that's, I think, you know, both people get something really great out of that, right? The mentor and the mentee. That's, that's fantastic. You mentioned fun. Can you define that for us and maybe elaborate a bit on what fun looks like for your team? <laughs> we know how to blow blow off some steam. Let me say. So this is um, <laughs> this is uh, so this right now here in Qatar. Uh, we're in the holy month of Ramadan, uh, which is a very spiritual month for for Muslims. And uh, during this month, Muslims break their fast at sunset. And so this month we have a special iftar, which is the breaking of the fast uh, for our entire team. And so we'll all get together and, and have a nice meal together and uh, and talk about uh, everything except work. And that's the that's the goal. <laughs> and I can only imagine how delicious that feast is uh, when you share that with with your family there. Yeah, yeah, it really is a feast. <laughs> it really is a feast. So during our intro call, we had a really interesting chat around student and parent happiness. And if I remember correctly, you developed some KPIs regarding this. And I was curious if you could share with the ruckus makers what that story is all about and why you chose to do that. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I learned about this idea from Steve Francis, who's an Australian educator. Uh, he has a website. You, you, ruckus makers can definitely look him up. Uh, he taught a workshop here at the Teaching and Learning Conference in 2018 uh, here in Qatar. I attended the workshop with my team. Uh, and he talked about using techniques such as surveys to measure happiness within the school uh, for all stakeholders, whether that's students, parents, teachers, and how that's really an important metric to think about, not just engagement or outcomes, which are the traditional metrics that we think about. And you know, when, when we talked about it as a team, we discovered that we all wanted a happy workplace and a happy learning environment for our students. And so we went back and, and tweaked uh, our surveys and, and how we measure that and decided that we're going, this is going to be one of the things that we look for year on year. It's still in its pilot phase. I haven't received the, the first year results are just going to come out this month. And so uh, I'm just waiting to see uh, what that looks like. So the jury's still out on, on what that looks like. But, you know, I think uh, we're, we're trying to measure what matters. <laughs> Let me put it that way. And even if the jury is still out, let's say, let's zoom out three years from now, and this was a huge success, how would the Berla Public School have changed? Well, I think what we're really good at as a school is figuring out how to get 
better from where we are. And so I think we, even when we feel that we have achieved a certain level of success, we always ask as an organization, what's next? And so even if we've done well with those surveys, I think we'll work on on doing better. And I'm certainly there. I'm certain there are some areas where we're not doing so great. Uh, and so we'll certainly address those. And, you know, if, if that metric works for us, then we'll continue to do it. If not, we'll figure out something else. And I think this idea of, of tiny experiments and then, you know, iterations of those experiments is something that we're really trying to embrace at our school. Maria, I have a question about partnerships, but I'm going to hold that for our uh, conversation right after a message here from our sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder is an evidence-based RTI Tier 1 universal level solution and focuses on improving executive functioning and non-cognitive skills. You can learn more and improve your student success at OrganizedBinder.com. The Conrad Challenge unleashes the potential of students to solve the world's most difficult problems. Register until November 1st at theconradchallenge.org. And we're back with Maria Pakalomatum, and we are having an awesome conversation about Berla Public School. Uh, we got into some really interesting things that you can do today, Ruckus Maker, like the OODA loop, or check out Stephen Francis that uh, Maria mentioned earlier in the show. I do have a question about building partnerships in the local community. And what have you found to be the most important when creating those partnerships? Sure. So, so I was born and raised in Qatar, Danny, and, and the other members of my board have also been in Qatar for many years and they're business leaders as well. So it helps that we know people in the local community and we really leverage our personal relationships to help our students have access to these types of opportunities. Um, Qatar is also very unique as a country due to its focus on education. And many governmental organizations have student outreach programs to ensure that community partnerships are maintained. But I'll be honest, most of the time, one of us picking up the phone and asking a friend who's a CEO or board member to come out to our school and engage with our students and, and bring their organizational resources with them. I really don't discriminate amongst industry or sector because I truly want our students to experience a wide range of industries. I think there's a lot for students and schools to learn from the world around us and to constantly feed back into creating a better learning community. Uh, we also do this with places that schools normally go to, such as museums and so on, but we like to look at unusual places to see what insights can be gleaned from there as well. Can you give us an example of an unusual place? Sure. So two weeks ago, I met a friend who's running a paper factory and he's doing um, recycling uh, paper and building paper products out of it. And so uh, my first question after he told me about this venture was, when can I have the kids out there to see it? And so, uh, and so, you know, this is, you know, this is unusual, but it's really cool because he's going to have the kids out there for an entire day uh, and they can see uh, how the recycling is done and how it helps when they sort their own trash. Uh, in their own households uh, in order to help the environment. And I love that because it makes the learning authentic. You know, it's it's actually uh, very real for them in that moment. Right, right, mm. yeah. Maria, what's one resource that's helped you level up in the last three months? 
So I'm an avid reader, and so I will almost always recommend a book. I recently reread this book. It's called Zero to One by Peter Thiel. I read it when it first came out in 2014, but I read it again because it's a really great book. And it talks about how to innovate by thinking about things in first principles without just upgrading or updating an existing product system or a company. It teaches, it really taught me to think about how to build from the ground up whether it's a company process or a company culture. And I think the ruck, for ruckus makers who are listening, it really helps ruckus makers, people like us, address our own thinking and biases. And I, I highly recommend it. You know, that, that uh, first principles and that kind of stuff is starting to make me think of mental models. And we could do a whole show on that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to have Shane Parrish on for that one. <laughs> I'm not we'll the see. expert. <laughs> Maria, if you could put a message on all school marquees across the globe for just a day, what would it say? Uh, It would say that we are only limited by our imagination. And uh, I think the reason for this is because we spend a lot of time today with with social media and the internet uh, about what others' life is like or or their version uh, of, of their life. And I want students and teachers and leaders across the world to know that our life is only limited by our own imagination and not the imagination of others. Uh, I think children today, uh, you know, we have a really amazing generation and they can do really great things if they have the ability to imagine and act based on their own imagination and what they want for their own life. You really set me up for this last question, which is you're building (laughs) a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitations, your imagination. How would you build your <laughs> school? And what would be your yeah. top three priorities? It's funny. I, I didn't think of that. <laughs> you know, when, when you that <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so I, love I, it. I would build a school um, that's seamlessly integrated with the community in which we live, with no constraints of space or time for when we use the school's facilities. I think it would be really nice to be able to do that. And it should be an equitable school where it doesn't matter what your family background is, where you come from, what your first language is, or if you have any special needs. With unlimited resources, we can indulge pretty much every interest that a child can imagine, whether it's science, drama, music, you name it. For example, one of my dreams would be to have endless music practice rooms. Uh, It would be nice to have Mm. a nature conservatory area where kids can go and experience nature. And for sports, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just imagining the number of fields, you know, with all sorts of sports ranging from horse riding to rowing. I mean, I think that'll be fantastic. And I think it would be really great for kids to have and experience a wide variety of things uh, because children are so different and so unique and it'd be nice to cater to all of them. Maria, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we've talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? Thanks for having me, Danny. I think the most important one comes from the resource, the book that I mentioned earlier. I think ruckus makers should think of how to approach the challenges that they face in their daily life, in their work, uh, through a first principles approach and innovating from the ground up without being biased about with existing systems or that's the way we do things around here. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, 
or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.